الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد All praise due to Allah, we praise him abundantly We ask Allah to exalt him, mention grand peace And send his blessings and salutations upon the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Welcome back uh, Welcome back to the second session On the uh, twisted approach to Al-Aqidah Al-Wasitiyah We didn't go over the metan Some of you were looking forward to that um, But I believe we covered some important principles And one of the uh, important um, aspects of training Because this is a type of training uh, when you have a daura, it's a form of training. You get trained on uh, how to take notes, how to conduct yourself. Uh, the Sheikh, may Allah bless him, yesterday gave us some tips about the manners and behavior and the etiquettes of you know, the talib al-ilm and so on and so forth. So you can look at it as a training course where you learn uh, a number of skills. And those skills, I've, I've learned something in life. Zakallahu uh, khairan. This is that specialty we've been uh, looking forward to. Um, I've learned a, a few things in life. Uh, and those of you who are younger could probably benefit from this more than those who've already missed the train. So apologies to the elder senior citizens. Everything that you learn from the deen, you could actually, if you apply it in the worldly matters, you will find that what Islam teaches is going to help you progress in your professional career. I remember when I was... Um, taking a course to teach English as a foreign language because that was critical uh, for me to get a job at some point in my life. When, when I had to answer, when I had to go through certain exams, I remember that almost every answer I gave about how to manage a class. So they ask you, how would you manage, if you have a, 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 studi a student who is uh, violent or who's disobedient or who doesn't comply with rules and doesn't conform to the guidelines, how do you deal with him? or anything of this nature, I would think about Islamic principles. All of my answers were derived from what we know from the deen, and then I would answer accordingly, and the, 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 the instructor was a non-Muslim, but they were fascinated with the answers. Even though these answers, you would say any one of us could answer because you're just going by Islamic guidelines. You know, so when you, when you apply certain things from, from, from the religion in the professional field, and you adhere to the religion, <coughs> excuse me, then subhanAllah, there's a barakah in that. First of all, there's a barakah in that. Second of all, you'll be surprised how many things in this world would be upright and rectified if they were to apply Islam. All these cultures, uh, the issues of finance and riba and, and interest, where a person is in need of money, a person is in need of money, so you lend him money to make him more in debt. You actually, if he's, if he's struggling, he's in a hole, trying to reach out, uh, he's trying to reach out to someone to pull him out of the hole. Interest, in essence, is basically saying, all right, I'm going to give you a hand. As soon as you pull him out, you use a hammer to hammer him back in and close a lid on top of his head so he can never come out again. That's really what riba is. They're giving you a little bit of money, but you have to pay me every month 2.5%, 3%, 5%. Oh, and woe to you if you don't pay. There's a late fee and all this. This is not helping someone. In Islam we have Qardun Hassan. We have a, good, a goodly loan. You help a brother for the sake of Allah. You can afford it. That money is sitting on his side. You don't really need it. So you help him from his situation. As long as you're helping him, Allah will help you. So when you do something like this, you do this out of Iman. You don't care. 
You don't need the money right now. You don't care. Let Even if the brother delays, you will be rewarded for that time that he was withholding this money with him. Obviously, if you need your money, there's a whole nother situation. You can go to the Qadi and you can get your money because you're not also a charity. You're not going to give your money away. I'm just saying. All of these issues that the world suffers from, if they were to refer them back to Islam, there would really would be no issues in this world. But obviously the people disobey Allah and therefore we have all the suffering that we see every, every, uh, everywhere we go. <coughs> so the point that I wanted to introduce is one of the successful methods of training in the professional field is something called recap. What's a recap? When you have a bottle and you put the cap again, Hi, uh, young one. Learning something again? All right, I like that. Good wrong answer. <laughs> well, actually, no, it's not even a wrong answer if you think about it. طيب, anyway, the other, let's, let's, uh, we have uh, excited youth today. Tfaddal. So going over something that you've gone over before. All right, we're getting better. You want to try again? All right, <laughs> we're recycling actually right at this point. Tamam. Anything? Anyone else? Good. These are good points from the younger generation. That's amazing. Type recap basically is going over what you've already discussed, but in a summarized, uh, summarized, abridged version. Basically, making sure that what we've discussed has not gone with the wind. Because very often, or more often than not, if you don't revise, if you don't uh, engage with the content that you, you, you created or you took down as notes or you whatever, you will forget it. I know most of you who, whoever learned, who learned a foreign language at some point in his life, like a language other than your mother language. All right. Do you remember when you, if this was in school, if it was in school, the teacher will give you 10 words vocabulary that you had to memorize with the definition and then come and present them to the teacher the following day uh, how many of those words do you actually retain uh, they have they have studies on this statistically speaking after a few weeks after a few weeks five out of those ten five out of those ten words are gone and after a few months maybe two or three words will remain and maybe after a year only one word maybe none Especially if it's advanced vocab. It's not like basic things that you use on daily basis. I'm not referring to, you know, I went and I came and I ate. I, I assume that you're not going to forget that. But even that, as a foreign language, you may forget. However, that's because you did not engage with the words. It was given to you as a homework. You don't like homework. You had to do it for the sake of the teacher, not even for the sake of Allah. And then, obviously, nothing happened. This, these words evaporated. So many people spoke two languages at some point in their life. Fast forward 10 years, there was no one for them to speak this language with. They, com they forgot the language completely. I used to speak fluent French. Now I can barely put a sentence together. But I can understand people. Because at some point in my life, there was no more French. I wasn't speaking French to anyone. French is gone. Similarly, when somebody gives you a homework and you're doing it because you have to do it, you're not going to retain those words. Versus, you're listening to a, a lecture and then the person you're listening to says a particular word or you're listening to a podcast it could be about politics it could be about finance it could be about the medical uh, uh, medical field it doesn't matter you hear a word that interests you you write it down 
you just jot it down for, for now. Later on, you go look it up in a dictionary. And then you write down the definition on a piece of paper. And then you write an example. The chances of you forgetting this word are very, very slim. You will find that 20 years from now, inshallah, this word is still in your vocab. No matter how advanced it is. Why? Because you engaged with this information at a higher level than the standard. So, whatever we discussed yesterday, there were a lot of principles with subdivisions to each. Do you believe you have them under your belt right now? You think you will have control of them? You may or you may not. What you don't want to do is assume that you have it under control and then take more information in. By the time we're done, mm, the, the benefit will be 30%, 40% of what could potentially be 80-90%. So I want us to maximize the benefit, inshallah. Therefore, we're going to do a recap. Who's going to do the recap? No, not one individual. I'm saying, who's going to do the recap? Me or you? No, you. Of course you. That's what I have you. So you can do the recap. I will guide you in the recap, but I want to hear from you. Now, you took notes, right? We're going to give a, a preference to those of you who can, off the top of their head, begin mentioning the first uh, principle that we mentioned. When we fail in finding someone that has it memorized, we're going to resort to someone who has the notes written down. Obviously, you don't want to cheat right now and read it and then say that you have it off the top of your head. So we're, <laughs> we're grown up enough not to do this. But those of you who actually did, some people go home and, or at night they study and revise and you know, they go over the stuff again. Those are the ones who you know, have dubbed. They're able to keep that knowledge and, and retain it for a longer time. So does anyone have uh, memorized? We have a hand already, so I'm going to assume you do. Oh, type uh, approved or disapproved? You gave khalas? Exactly the way he put it? Is that what we said in the principle? Uh huh. Mm. Good though. Tfaddal. <laughs> That's it? No, no uh, qualifying statement? That's like seven principles in one year, Sheikh. When we didn't go, those were like a third principle or something. Before we, before we delve into the how, the modality, and the, the kaifiyah and what have you, in the very beginning, in the very first principle, we will try again. Tfaddal, Ya Ustad. Okay, so we take the apparent meaning of the Quran and the Sunnah. Are there exceptions to the rule? So we could look at something figuratively, provided that there's another evidence from the Quran and the Sunnah that supports that position. Tamam? All right. Principle one. Fine. Um, the second principle, which has a number of subdivisions. Okay, if you don't have it from, from, from memory, that's, you could read. But even, even taking notes, you will find some people have accurately taken notes and some people have summarized or paraphrased what I said and in the process might have missed out some information. 
Ahsan, do you have an evidence? Uh uh, no, don't need the evidence. MashaAllah. So you have the English translation but not the Arabic. That's good. No, that's good. The f that's good. When you give da'wah, obviously, are you going to give da'wah to an Arab in Arabic? No. So there's no issue if you're giving da'wah that you're going to resort to English. Tamam? So if, even if you memorize only the English meaning of the ayat, Zakallahu khairan. You've done well because at least you know the citation you could offer. Now, of course, if you were to cite the Arabic and the English, it's a reinforcement for you to, to highlight your qualification in a sense. Because the, the recipient will take you more seriously and believe you're more qualified when he sees that you know what you're talking about. And this is in any field, whether it is in Islam or outside of Islam. You right now, when you go to a mechanic uh, or, or anyone and they start explaining things to you in a way that shows that they've studied this, they know what they're talking about, you will leave your car with this person versus another mechanic who's not really well acquainted with, with what's going on. So this is a natural choice that you will make anytime you want to select someone. Tamam, so it's good to know the English. Type the Arabic. Anyone wants to give us the ayah? Afwan? This is tahrif, ya rajul. We, get, we, we cover tahrif. Close. Ah, oh, this we have, the, we have our uh, musnad and our marji' of the ayat who, who uh, will give us the Arabic, but we have to help him with the English. Well, he already helped him with the English. Yalla. So that's corrected. So it's a very straightforward ayah. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa. All of you, this is actually part of the adhkar that you say, by the way, in certain times in a day and a night after salawat. So you should be familiar with that. Lahu al-asma'ul husna. To him belong the most beautiful names. Good. Second subdivision. We had a long discussion about this one. We were going back and forth and... Huh? So they're not 99. Yeah, Rajul, we have a hadith that says they're 99. So there are more than 99. Do we know how many? Do we know the evidence that they're more than 99? Ah. Okay, we, that's one, one, one opinion of the ulama that during that event, he will be calling on Allah by these names. But the evidence that they're more than, one, than they're more than 99 is the dua that the Prophet ﷺ taught us that he himself made. He began the dua and at some point he says, and I call on you by all the names which you have kept with the knowledge of the unseen with you. So this is the evidence. Of course, you can get the Arabic and the English. Hello. The third subdivision. Ah, this is a very critical one. Type, how do we deal with the challenge that, but, I mean, I can only understand revelation by intellect. Intellect is the vehicle via which I understand anything in the first place. For me to understand you right now, and for you to understand me, you're applying your intellect. So how could you not use the intellect? So we use our intellect to submit to the revelation. So my mind is there to tell me, قَالَ اللَّهُ وَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ And therefore I'm going to say, سَمِعْنَا 
وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير very straightforward that's what my brain is for my brain is for is for me to understand that no matter what is being commanded of me whether or not it made sense to me whether or not it made sense my job at the end of the day is to say سمعنا وأطعنا we listen and we obey one of the most uh, relevant uh, points to this uh, concept not to this aqeedah uh, is the matter of the rulers in Islam, the hukam, the people in charge, the khulafa, uh, whatever you want to call them. Or the, uh, yeah. This is an area where many people, many people, their, their intellect fails them in being able to submit to the sunnah. The amount of rage, emotions, uh, hatred, is so powerful that even if they reach a point where they mock the hadith that tells you to obey the ruler, not only are they not accepting that they want to obey the ruler, they reach a point where it becomes a source of mockery. Istihza will basically take you, take you outside the folds of Islam. It's, it's one of the most outlandish realities of today. But the social media, and those of you who know, know, is filled with these individuals that have, even if they have knowledge, they're unable to restrain themselves in this matter. And if you were to obey the deen, you become the bootlicker, all these terminologies that they've invented and they attach to you, and you can only shake your head in, in, in amazement. Really though? We have more than 99 hadith, more than 100 hadith. The scholars have collected them. They are over 100 hadith telling you to obey the ruler, the Muslim ruler. Tamam? And before, they, before you jump into taking them outside of Islam, you need, to, you need to take a step back. Because the immediate answer is like, yeah, the Muslim ruler. These are not Muslim rulers. They're not, you know, judging by the Quran and the Sunnah. Khair, they were not happy with Uthman. And they were not happy with Ali. They were not happy with them. They're going to be happy with anyone after five, six hundred years, fourteen hundred years afterwards. No way. No way on earth. So when we speak about a country where it's not, you know, not, not here or not <laughs> the U.S. Because <coughs> nobody's telling you to obey those. Um, they, they reach a point where after passing takfir, they cannot digest the no, more than one hadith i'm sorry that was the point more than one hadith telling you to obey the ruler now the hadith described them as having the bodies of humans hearts of shayateen they don't follow the guidance of the prophet they don't command by his command we already know they, they have descriptions that are petrifying he might even lash your back and take your money and 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 all of which go against the natural the natural instinct in human being that you want to defend and you want to uh, retaliate and you want to fight for your right and so on and so forth. But this is how the religion works. This matter is not different than any other matter in the deen where you're expected to say Samana wa atana, even though your mind is telling you otherwise. The true commitment to Islam is that in spite of you inside feeling otherwise, you might have all kinds of feelings towards this person in charge. You might hate his guts for the sake of Allah. But for you to make that a public statement to the people is not from the sunnah. Therefore, keep it to yourself. Go to sleep with it. Why? Because you have a hadith that tell you don't do that. Or, as we said before, macho man, go to him. But you're allowed to advise him. 
You're allowed to advise the, the ruler in private. Go tell him. Grab him on the side and give him your peace of mind. If you don't have the guts to do it, then you shouldn't have the guts to do it from behind the screen. That's the bottom line. Because you say, oh, if I go, if I go, no one will ever see me again. Khalas, be quiet. Isn't it this bad? It's this bad. If you go, you will never see the light again. You will be killed. You will be in prison. Stay home and be quiet. Either, either live up to your bravery behind the keyboard or spare us this fitna because you're sitting at home and you're wreaking havoc in other places creating this kind of environment where, where destabilization of the ummah is the main target of all of these people that hate Islam. For, for, for the good or the bad, the fact that certain countries are becoming uh, uh, influential, even if there's all kinds of issues, is actually in the interest of Muslims in the long run. In the long run. We're not going to justify haram, or we're not going to give it a thumbs up and endorse it and act like it's not happening. We understand. But there's wisdom, and there's ways of dealing with it, and there's enjoining what is good and forbidding what is evil that requires that when you forbid the evil you're actually not creating a greater evil otherwise it's haram for you to forbid the evil criticizing okay, someone says i want to forbid the evil type you're you're worried about uh halloween or whatever in in some muslim country tafaddal habibi down the street right now go to every restaurant that has a christmas tree and show me how you forbid the evil Go. In every occasion, every hospital. I was just in a hospital. Christmas trees everywhere. What, go ask for the mudir. Ta'al. What is this Christmas tree? And Jesus was not the son of God. Do the forbidden the evil and join the good. La. You're worried about what's going on over there. And you're letting everything happen here right under your... your these double standards and, and weird, weird stuff. I don't want to turn this into another discussion. But I want to highlight the importance of submitting to the text in spite of you feeling differently. You know the hadith of, I believe, is Ibn Umar. That he, uh, a brother of his or someone was uh, flicking uh, like a little, a pebble. صح? He was flicking a pebble and he told him to stop. He said, Prophet said, don't because it either will poke someone's eye. There's, there's basically no good in it. And he told him twice or thrice and he didn't obey him. He didn't listen to him. He told him, I will never speak to you again. I will never speak to you again. I'm telling you, the Messenger of Allah said that you shouldn't do this and you just ignore me and you continue doing it. This is, this is a red line. When, when some, some, some of the Sahaba did not want the, the, the women to enter into the masjid because they were creating fitna. But the Prophet had allowed them to enter the masjid. You see many examples in the time of Sahaba where they would not accept. Ibn Abbas said, Yushiku an... He said, stones are about to fall on you from the skies. I tell you, Allah's messenger said, you tell me Abu Bakr and Umar said, this is about Abu Bakr and Umar, let alone someone else today. So the sunnah is a, is, is a line that you cannot cross. The Prophet said, do this, you do it. Don't do this, don't do it. Tayyip. I'm unable to do it because I'm weak, then join the club. Hayakallah. <laughs> this is our condition, all of us. I know so many things of the sunnah that I'm too weak to apply. That's, that's not like me rejecting it. 
That's not like me saying, no, 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 this is not the sunnah, I'm not going to do it. I know this is the sunnah, I fail in implementing, I'm a da'if. I'm a weak human being, you make dua for me, I make dua for myself, Allah rectifies my condition. Because not all of us will be able to apply everything in the sunnah. We know a lot of the sunnah that we don't apply. That, that stance is not in any way, shape or form equal to the one now because he cannot comply, he rejects and he objects. And he denies, and he, he's stubborn in not accepting the truth. No, I say, yeah, this is a sunnah, I'm unable to do it. I know it's a sunnah, this is the correct opinion, I'm unable to fulfill it. La ba's, la ba's, because everybody had that or has that in their lives. Type. So the third subdivision was that the names of Allah are not affirmed by the intellect, we have to refer to revelation. Fourth subdivision, this had three breakdowns, or three, you're the only one? Yalla hat. Ahsant. Tamam. Naam. MashaAllah. This one you took. You took the notes uh, accurately. Type. Can you elaborate? Can you give an example? Do you remember an example we mentioned? And what's the, what 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 uh, quality does it imply? So the name is Ar Rahman. The quality that it implies is. Rahma, tamam, صح? Remember the remember the words. And then we said another. We use another example, al azim and it denotes, al azma wa al azama, azama, al azama. طيب تمام. Third principle, which had a number of subdivisions. Ay 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 ay. Towards the end of the class, everybody was already dozing off, huh? تفضل. Mm, beautiful evidence. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You read it from the paper. Yalla, mashi. Hey, nahl. Okay. Wallah. That's it. You're gonna tell. I go look it up. Yani. Tell me, ya sheikh. Give me either the Arabic or the English or both. If you really wanna ace it, give me both. I will settle for one. Hey, zakallah khair. Big boss. Tab English. Bardo? Also, you don't want to say it wrong? That's a good way to escape. Anyone else? La, 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 la. Musiba. Bas ant? Tfaddal. Zakallah khair. Can you. Is the Arabic written there? Is that a, an Apple laptop? No wonder. Bye. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, those are the moments I, I, uh, I wait for. I spend my life doing this, by the way. I've created a lot of enemies and a lot of friends. Mm. The, the first one, all of Allah's names are the best. And this one, which is wait. Hey. The, this one is speaking about the, the attribute itself. It's the highest level of perf perfection. So this is when, when the attribute exists among the humans, the one with Allah Azza wa Jal is in the ultimate sense. Remember we mentioned hearing and seeing and so on and so forth. Um, other than the beautiful names, all the beautiful names belong to Allah because we said certain names do not befit the majesty of Allah Azza wa Jal. Remember because they are in and of themselves are like ad-dahr. Tamam, ad-dahr is, is not a word that, يعني, is not a word of excellent uh, of the highest uh, basically praise 
So it is not used to attribute to, uh, to be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the second subdivision, oh no, yeah, but this one we have to elaborate a little bit more. So we, what are some examples of some traits or attributes or qualities of Allah that if you were to be asked, you would say neither nor, you would neither affirm nor deny, but you will qualify the statement based on retaliation. Yeah, I want I want exact words. So what's the what's the trait? What's the name or the attribute? Huh? Plotting or makr. Tamam? Makr. Wayamkuruna wayamkurullah. Wallahu khayrul makirin. If someone says, Is Allah makir? Do you say yes? Just like that? No. Because the word in and of itself, someone who plots, is not necessarily a positive thing to be said. Do you deny? Say no. There's an ayah in the Quran that says, So what do we say? We say, Allah plots against those who plot against him. So in retaliation to the plotting of the, the munafiqeen, Allah plots. In this context, it is praiseworthy. It's basically outsmarting someone. You could outsmart someone to rob them of their money. And you could outsmart someone who's trying to outsmart you. You outsmarting them when they're trying to outsmart you can never be in a negative light. You understand? Because you're, you're basically being better than them in this regard. But if you were to outsmart them without any justification, just because you're trying to you know, deceive them, then this is blameworthy. We said makr, there were two more. Is it disbelievers or munafiqeen? Munafiqeen. Hey. طيب, uh, you know the word? Huh? You went to the other side of the ocean right now. We're still at the shore. So let's, <laughs> let's finish the, the word and then we'll go to dhulm. Answer that question though. So we said makr. There were three, three traits that we mentioned. Three, three traits. Makr and the one he said, which is this deception or deceiving, which is what in Arabic? And the third one? All of you know the, uh, the, the surah, surah Tariq, no? What does it say at the end? إِنَّهُمْ يَكِيدُونَ كَيْدَ وَأَكِيدُ كَيْدَ فَمَهْلِ الْكَافِرِينَ أَمْهِلُهُمْ رُوَيْدَ So Kaid is the third one. Obviously the term Kaid and Makr, they are very close in meaning. So that's why we sometimes say plotting and planning. So the, the, the terms are used as they say interchangeably. Naam. Hey, tamam. No doubt, but I was, I was referring to the ones that we mentioned yesterday. Like we said, in the actual, uh, in the actual sharh of Shaykh bin Uthameen, rahimahullah, all of these are dealt with. But because we have a restricted time, we have restricted examples. If we were to expound on everything, then we will finish inshallah in winter 2024. Which I don't think anyone has uh, signed up for that one. Right? You cannot stay in the masjid that long. <laughs> Type. The second subdivision of the, how, which principle? The third, sah? A. Yalla, jama'a, yalla, we need to start the new lesson. Ha, ayo, ustad. What's the first one? Uh, la, you jumped. 
you were it's actually two things but these are the other two things no i need i need new hands new faces new hands new faces hello thubutiya is affirmation affirmative to affirm from from thabata shay meaning something that has been affirmed they say for example when the, when the moon is sighted for ramadan they say thabatat ru'yat hilal shahr ramadan thabatat meaning it has been affirmed and finalized and concluded so there's evidence for it salbiya we said we have ijabi some something positive and salbi something negative so salbiya is the negation tamam good and then here this is where we mentioned the matter of zulm where who was the yes this is where we discussed the issue of zulm because this is a salbiya that we negate zulm from allah azawajal, and we have evidences for that what is the evidence that allah does not oppress anyone the one which all of you should memorize because you recite it every friday that's all you need to memorize by the way even if you fail to memorize the entire surah al-kahf well, if you cannot memorize Surah Al-Kahf in, in its entirety, what are you expected to memorize though? Ah, there's a difference of opinion among the scholars. Is it the first 10 ayat or the last 10 ayat? <laughs> the scholars have differed. So everybody's saying the first and the last. Based on what? Wait, based on you knowing that the scholars differed, صح? Not that you know the actual evidences for it. Actually, the whole discussion is one that the scholars have differed about extensively, including the authenticity of the ahadith that speak about reciting Surah Al-Kahf every Friday. Just for the record. So even that discussion in of itself is subject to difference of opinion. But if we want to be on the safe side, the scholars say, if you really want to be on the safe side, you memorize the first 10 ayat and the last 10 ayat. The same thing they tell you when it's uh, Ashura. صح? The Prophet ﷺ said, لَإِنْ حَيِّتُ إِلَى uh, if I were to be alive till next year, I will fast the ninth with it. Tamam? So the scholars say if you really want to guarantee that you will get Ashura because of the possibility of the disc discrepancy in the moon sighting, you, you fast ninth, tenth, and eleventh. So that's one day before, one day after, you've guaranteed that you've actually uh, fasted the day of Ashura. There are times where the scholars basically say you go for the full option. Because the full option is the safest opinion. So what does the 10, uh, the ten ayat of Surah Al-Kahf, whether the first 10 ayat or the last 10 ayat, what do they do for you? Protect you from the Dajjal. From the fitna of the Dajjal. Ah, there's, there's a difference between the Dajjal and the fitna. When he comes, there's no fitna with him. He brings it in a bag. And then he gives it to you or what? It's when the Dajjal is there, it's a fitna already. Asan, the Dajjal is a fitna in and of himself, his appearance. The way he will behave, the way he will command the sky to rain. Yani, uh, right now, if somebody, one, one of you went outside, and I'm not saying that you're the Dajjal, but if you went outside and said, Amtiri, and then it started, well, it's raining already, so you're not going to fool us. Now, we have to give another example. But let's say we were, I don't know, in some other country where it doesn't rain, and someone said rain, we were all going to think, what's going on here? Now that he said, oh Allah, Make a distinction between someone making dua. We say, Mashallah, Wali min awliya Allah. This is one of the righteous believers of Allah. He made dua, and then Allah Azza wa responded to his dua. We, the Prophet would make dua on Jumu'ah. The, a man came to him from, from the Bedu and said, Ya Rasulullah, halakat al amwal ila akhirhi. We have drought. While he was on the member, he made dua. 
it started raining. Clouds formed and they started raining. And it kept raining until the following Friday. The man came and said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, we drowned. It's been raining so long that it's drowned. So make dua that it stops. The Prophet made dua, the rain stopped. So dua, dua, the Prophet is mustajab. Tamam? Except one da'wah. One da'wah that he asked Allah Azza wa Jal that was not responded. Which one is it? For his uncle? No, not for his uncle. For the ummah. What about the ummah? Hey, that we don't divide amongst ourselves. Nope. Qadar of Allah. The Qadar of Allah. So when people complain, if a non-Muslim, you hear this from non-Muslims all the time. Oh, you know the Christians say, you're complaining about Catholicism and Protestantism and, and Unitarian Christian, blah, blah. Look at you. Sunni, Shia, Barelvi, Bandi, Madriesh. So you're just like us. Say, no, 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 we're not like you. We have a big difference. The big difference is we were told. Actually, the very division of the Ummah is the manifestation and the prophecy of the Prophet ﷺ. This is more proof that my religion is correct. You're the one who's coming up with something new every single day and you don't have any revelation from Allah that justifies it or supports it. You see the difference? How did we get here? Ah, so we're saying that Dajjal, the Dajjal is, is a dangerous, uh, dangerous creature. And no, he's not the TV. Or, uh, I don't know what, airplanes or <laughs> other things that the people have presumed that he is. Hey, or iPhones, huh? Yes, even that one. In spite of, in spite of my, uh, this is a matter of the deen, there's no room for my uh, silly opinion and, and about uh, devices. So, the Dajjal the, the is a major fitna. <coughs> so, how are, how are those 10 ayat going to protect you? Do you have a tamima? Yani, do you hang, you hang it on your undershirt like we do back home? You do know that this is very prevalent. I think in, in the subcontinent, this is also common, sah? What do you guys call it? Ta'wiza. We call it tamima ta'wiza. There are a lot of words that denote the same idea. Yeah. I remember uh, as a kid, I, I always wore it because that was the only part of religion that we had. And I was getting injured every day. I find it rather amazing. If you actually look at my head, they are like scars. You know, like I was in the battlefield with the you know, knights back in the 1400s. Uh, but it's all just basically me crashing into the wall, somebody hitting me with a rock, my uncle throwing a shoe at me, something of the, along these lines. But what happened to this uh, thing that I was uh, putting on Aslan? And I spent half of my life in the hospital, and this thing didn't do anything for me. Like alert, hello, or people that put the mushaf in the glove compartment, and then they crash into a car. Is it supposed to protect your car? It didn't protect the car, you understand? So even, even factually speaking, this tamima or this ta'weez is nothing but uh, hypocrisy and just relying on it's like people are looking for anything to rely on besides Allah it's as though these the Muslims they, it's Allah is not sufficient Allah is not sufficient they have to find some human Badawi uh, Jilani uh, Madri they have to find someone to place between them and Allah exactly as the kuffar of Quraysh the, the kuffar um, from the time of Nuh until the end of time they all have the same blueprint it's one blueprint across all these years, subhanAllah, even until 2023, the demands and the requirements of the kuffar never change. Look at every prophet, they always wanted a miracle. And then when the miracle comes, they said, no, no, not this one. We want this one. They, they're like, they select, say they're selective, pick and choose, what do they want? So they want basically the creator to be for them a vending machine. 
It's a vending machine. They want to put uh, the pound, press B1, and then a, a cookie comes. If that doesn't happen, it, this is not a vending machine. It doesn't work this way. The, the creator of the heavens and the earth is not, is not working at your disposal. If anything, Allah Azza wa Jal is self-sufficient, doesn't need any of us. Even if all of, if all of us were to disbelieve, will that take away from Allah's sovereignty in anything? If all the people were upon the heart of the most wicked man, it will not take away from Allah's majesty in anything. And we can all go to hell and it doesn't affect Allah, Allah in any way, shape or form. So whatever we do is actually for ourselves. Human beings always putting these conditions and prerequisites. They want to see Allah. They want to see the malaika. They want, you know, the atheist. The atheist right now, the atheist can never and should never be taken seriously. The atheist is a joke. Like these guys are jokesters, really. Like deep down, they know they're liars. They are liars and they know that they are liars. There's a fitra, ya There's a fitra Allah placed in you. When we, he, took out, he took us out from the back of Adam alayhi salam. And Allah said in the Quran, Surah Al-Araf, Am I not your Lord? We said yes, all of us said yes. So you don't come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and say, we had no idea what's going on. No, 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 that's not happening. You say, I don't remember this. You don't need to remember. You don't need to remember the event. What you need to know is that it was imprinted in you to believe in Allah. In La ilaha illallah. Many of you who know my personal life know that I was a Buddhist. I was supposedly born Muslim, never practiced Islam. Became full-fledged Buddhist, doing more chanting than the Buddhists themselves. Three, four hours a day of my life being wasted and wallahi, at no point in time did I believe in any of this stuff. And deep down, I knew I was going to Jahannam. Wallahi, deep down, I knew that if I die, I'm going straight to hell. But you become so stupid, sorry for my uh, French, you become so stupid and so indulged in what you're doing that you just think that it's not a big deal. Because everybody else seems to be going to hell. Yani, is it going to be this stuff? If I'm going to hell by myself, and everybody's going to Jannah, that's a big deal. Because like that's a lot to take. But the way the shaitan messes with people is like, all these Christians are going to hell? All these, all these Hindus, all these Buddhists? Ya Rajul, only you Muslims are not, and from, from within Islam, only the Salafis are going to go to Jannah? And everybody else is going to go to hell? So this is impossible. So this is how you get tricked and divert from the path. Now we're talking about people that will not enter Jahannam at all. Every believer, irrespective of his deviance, if he died on La ilaha illallah, one day he will go to Jannah. Even if a person gets punished for, in Jahannam for their sins and for their deviance, eventually you will go to Jannah. But for those who will enter Jannah, no accountability, no punishment, it is actually a very elite selected people. We pray that Allah makes us among them. And it doesn't happen when you're sipping on chai all day. And this is something that you do along with fulfilling the purpose of life. You want to have a good job? Zakallah khair. You want to drive a decent car? No problem. You want to get married? All good. You want to have beautiful kids? Allah. But these should never be where your deen is put on the side while you establish yourself. And then when you want to now give time to the deen, khalas habibi, the deen is not waiting for you. You may or may never make it. A lot of people say, when I become, you know, 40, 50, I'll go to hajj, you know, and hajj inshallah mabrur. Hajj, there's no, uh, there's no, what is the ayah that says? So they say, I do Hajj Mabrur. You're not supposed to have relations. No problem. He hates his wife, anyways. And there's no, uh, 
no disobedience and no argumentation and hajj yeah, easy 50 60 years old I'll go to Hajj once, come back, Sheikh al-Islam, you put Hajji over my name on, in front of the building, I'm going straight to Al-Firdaus al-A'la. From the moment he gets on Hajj, he fights with the bus driver. There's the first Jidal that you're not supposed to have. He spends the whole Hajj actually fighting with everybody in, this, in front of the Hajar Aswad. You know, move. He wants to go kiss the Hajar Aswad. He kills three Muslims on the way to kiss the black stone. Ya akhi, ish hadha. He left people with a you know, bruise on his eye, another one with a broken rib, and he's protecting his family also that they can also go kiss the black stone. Ignorance of Islam. You think the deen works this way? It's, if you don't have patience in your entire life, it is almost impossible to be able to apply it on hajj. Ask those who've done hajj. Hajj, even if you have the most premium five-star uh, uh, package, you will be tested. Somehow, some way, something will happen that will put you to the test where you will have to apply those three principles or those three restrictions. If you fail, game over. Hey, there goes your hajj. Now, go do it again, if you can afford it, actually. So, these are some things that we need to be very mindful of. How did we get here? No, no, people are paying attention, eh? Ya Rajal, that was six hours ago, Ya Baba. <laughs> no, I want you to give me the last point so I can connect the last point before that point to the point before and then we can get back on track. So you took me back to the beginning, which is wonderful. I knew that already, but I need to know how did we get to this issue of Hajj and Fusuq and I don't even know. Huh? Dajjal? You took us one step in front of him. Still seven steps behind. Oh yes, that was the closest point so far. So the idea that uh, people wind up going to hell. Okay, how did we get to that point? Ta'weez. <laughs> Al-Muhim, I got injured many times. Oh yes, I was a Buddhist. So that was saying. In my fitrah, somebody has to pay attention. So in my fitrah, because the atheist, you're saying the atheist, like, I knew, I knew deep down that there's la ilaha illallah. Even though in my entire life, in my entire life, I was never taught once anything about Islam. <coughs> Only when I was 11 years old, my, grand, my grandfather died, who was a, 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 a Turk, non-Muslim, to, to, to begin with, Aslan, supposed to be Muslim, but was not a Muslim. And then my mother, for the first time in her life, became interested in Islam. What kind of Islam do you think we have in Lebanon? No, alhamdulillah, we didn't get that far. It was the Quburi. The first thing we did was visit all the maqamat and all the Qubur in, in Levant. We went to Masjid Sitna Zainab in Syria. And these are in my mind, the, the Darih, what do you call it? The, the shrine, but the, you guys have Darga, right? Darga, is it Darga? Huh? Darga, whatever. Anyways, I forgot what it's called. Al-Muhim. It's this big fence around the grave. And I, I, I clearly remember people just, you know, they have notes and pieces of paper throwing it, wiping themselves over this. And I'm like, this was our Islam. So I never was sold on, the, on, on this. And my mom would make me pray. I would only pray to make her happy. I would pray all the five daily prayers in three minutes at the end of the day. So the, the whole day I play. Then at home I would pray Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha in like two minutes. It's like, so my mom could just be think that you know she has a Muslim son. Never was sold. So no one ever taught me Tawheed. But in my in deep down, 
I knew that Buddhism is not a religion and that La ilaha illallah is there and there's Jahannam and if I continue in this way, I'm a dead man, I'm gone. So when you speak to an atheist, do understand that these people are just very, very uh, good at deceiving people. Or they reach a point where they lie so much, they believe the lie. But initially, initially they knew. As Allah says, When they turned away and deviated, Allah caused their hearts to deviate. In the beginning, they had to reject the truth. The truth was presented, presented to them. طيب, uh, what was the third subdivision? Ah, so we're done with the Ijabiya and the Afwan, the Thubutiya and the Salbiya. Then the third subdivision has two. Somebody said it earlier. Yeah, who was the one who gave us the early answer? Thatiya, which are? The essence of Allah Azza wa Jal. Example? Tayyib, and Fa'liya? Oh, I gave you the answer. Tayyib, what is Fa'liya, Tayyib? That is connected to the Mashi'ah of Allah Azza wa Jal. Something that Allah Azza wa Jal wills to do. Excellent. Uh, the fourth subdivision, which was the last thing we covered. Three, uh, what are the three questions? One of them was? How about the first one was? <laughs> hey, اقرأ, اقرأ. اقرأ من notes. Is it real? Is it real? Yeah, yeah it's real. <laughs> 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 is, is it real? Zakallah khair. Is it real and why? Hello. Yeah. The second one? Huh? And, and why? Okay. And why? You, you want me to ask you for and why every single time? Why are you so stingy? Khalas, tell me the thing and tell me and why. <laughs> every time he tells me, yeah? and why? And why? And why? Aslan, why are you doing this to me? Tayyip. We got the answers for all these questions or no? Yes. Ah, what, were the, what was the first answer? Just briefly. Yes, no, no. Yes, no, no? Well, that was as brief as it gets. You win. Actually, no, let me finish uh, the revision because we have five minutes. That way we will begin after the first break, the, the fourth subdivision type. So since we said yes, no, no, uh, what was the yes about? And uh, give me an example. So we accept the literal meaning. We have to accept the literal meaning. Does not mean that we negate that some, some of those names may have another uh, aspect to them. If we have another textual evidence that supports it, no problem. We'll take the figurative if there's evidence that supports it. But if there isn't any, you cannot deny off the top, just say no, there's no such thing. Hello, the second one. Ah, very dangerous one. No? Yeah, what is no? We cannot ask how. What's, uh, what's another word? Uh, modality. Modality. So the modality. Uh, do, do we have an incident from one of the famous Imams in Islam? Imam Abu Hanifa? What happened with Imam Malik? Rahimahullah? Mm. 
Which reminds me, you know that we mentioned that yesterday that he, he, he was perspiring and he was upset, but we never mentioned what he answered. Right? We never came to, yeah, I know, but we didn't, we didn't actually quote what the Imam said, because what the Imam said is, is actually one of the foundations of the belief of Al-Sunnah. So when he asked him, كيف استوى الله على العرش? Yeah, we have two minutes. صح? He said, الاستواء معلوم. Now the word معلوم, if you've ever been to Saudi or, or, or these countries, that's probably the, the word you will hear the most from, from the streets. أنا في معلوم. Now I remember when I first went, <laughs> when I first went to, <laughs> well, like these are moments I wish I could live them again because they're the funniest in the world. I, I imagine I went from LA to Jeddah. Okay, so there's quite a difference in terms of culture, like a big cultural gap between the two. So uh, eventually I got a job at a school and so I'm, I'm catching a taxi and the taxi's job is, is what? To know, to know where he's going. So I know the name of the school, it's on the taxi, to know the rest. So I got into the taxi, I said, Madrasat, uh, what was it called? Uh, I don't know, Alamiya, something, I forgot. Dar al-ilm, something like that. Uh, he said, Ana ma fi ma'loom. I said, Ana wajdi. I think we're having, I think me and the brother are having an introduction. I had never in my life heard Ana ma fi ma'loom. I'm thinking this brother's name is ma fi ma'loom. What kind of name is this man? Uh, then, then you know, I, I resorted to English, and then basically I understood that he's like, you need to tell me how to go. I'm like, I'm the taxi, or you're the taxi. I, I don't know how to go, I know that I need to go to the school. Yeah, Akhwan, I struggled for I don't know how many days, I had to memorize the way, in spite of me not knowing the way ever. It's a whole nother story, but uh, the word ma'loom is a very common word that you hear in, in that side of the world and it becomes part of your daily vocabulary. You use it the most with people that, don't speak, that, that live in Saudi for many years but don't speak Arabic. That word ma'loom is part of you getting your anything in the house fixed. You will have to know the word ma'loom, meaning you either know something or you don't know something. A woman, when I heard it and when, when I learned it and then I, now whenever I hear it in the hadith, I can't help but feel, you know, this funny feeling they said, al-istiwa'u ma'loom, it's not, it's not that ma'loom. It's the other ma'loom. So istiwa is, I have a minute, is known. Huh? What did he say after? Wal kayfu? Majhul. How? You, you don't know and you will never know. And then how did he then establish what we need to understand very fully today? The next thing he said? Hey, iman bihi wajib, meaning what we said earlier, this mind of yours, arkanu ala jamb. Park it on the side, because if you don't understand, that's your problem. Well, hey, bid'ah. For you to ask how is a bid'ah. And then what, he did, what did he do? Which you wouldn't expect from an imam, rahimahullah, unless this was a grave matter that was going to affect the masses. Umira bihi. He commanded that this man was kicked out of the masjid. They, they kicked him out of the masjid. Took him out of the house of Allah. For asking this question. Why? Because this question will open the door for people now every time a matter of aqidah is presented. They go on to ask a question from their philosophy. And this is what we hear up until today. You tell someone Allah is above the heavens, they tell you, but the world is, the globe is round, and we are on this side. And all of these discussions, no sahabi ever had with another sahabi, therefore never have them. You say, uh, You believe in Allah and you set aside these philosophies because philosophy is meant to divert you from the path. And no prophet or messenger used philosophy to promote the deen of Allah. And therefore, we don't use that either. So we'll take a break, inshallah. They, will, they might hurt me if I don't. It's been more than five minutes.
Okay, you and them, then you deal with him later, huh? You know his name, sah? At least you got permission, you're good. Zakhla khair. Ali so sorry. About uh, when Shaytan makes the individual think about oh who made this and this and then uh, when Shaytan asks uh, oh who made Allah no. so you can't reason Allah uh, belongs to Shaytan and this applies to all these other types of questions as well. surely surely Surely, this is where you, you reflect on Allah's greatness. You don't reflect on all of these other th aspects of, of you know, the, the modality of Allah Azza's attributes. Ahsan. Taib, we'll take a 15 minute break. Sah? Oh. Oh, tamam. So it's 6.23. 40 minutes? 40 minutes. You guys are, mashaAllah, tabarakallah, you're getting hooked up big time by the masjid. Yalla, 40 minutes. Say, tamam. Um, so same as yesterday, inshallah. You've gone to 7 o'clock. Aisha's at 7 o'clock. Food's going to be served in the uh, side room. Same as yesterday, inshallah. And uh, Ustad uh, will continue after Aisha, inshallah. Zakhla. I didn't know.